Well, hello there. I'm glad you dropped in. You're like, this is strange. This feels like Mr. Rogers. But listen, I want to talk to you today about this thought, I will. This year I will. Everybody say, this year I will. This is not the year of someday or one of these days or when I get around to it. No, this is the year of I will. This is not a year of procrastination. This is a year of action. A year to decide where you will go, what you will do, who you will be. A year to decide some decisions you've been procrastinating, putting off, to stop playing the blame game, to stop having a pity party. Somebody say, this year I will. So I talked about in this series about how I learned how to play the piano and I was learning the rhythm, the tempo of songs. I was learning how to play with both hands. I was learning to stretch. And one thing that I realized over time is I wanted to get involved in our church worship department and I started playing the piano and I realized you've got to learn how to follow the leader. Everybody say, follow the leader. For every band, there is a leader. There's a lead singer, a lead guitarist. There is someone who's setting the tempo, who's deciding the chord, the key that you will play in. And at first, I had a hard time following the leader because I wanted to do my own thing, right? If they were playing in the key of C, I start playing in this key. And they were like, that's not what you do. You've got to follow the leader. You've got to play in the right key. You've got to let the leader decide where you're going to go, what you're going to do. The leader's going to decide the rhythm, the pace. He's going to decide the chords, the shift, the change. And you've got to learn to follow. If we're going to be great leaders, we've got to be great followers. We've got to have something, someone in our life that's leading us in the right direction. Every goal, every desire, every dream in your heart needs a leader, needs a motivator that's stronger than selfishness, that's stronger than envy or competition or comparison. And I wanna preach a message to you today about learning to let love lead you. Learning to let love lead you. I wanna title this message, Let Love Lead. Let Love Lead. Somebody say, Let Love Lead. Ooh, that was a little ugly chord there. And so I remember when I got in front of our high school chapel and I was leading for the first time. And I had a song in my heart and I was gonna see if the high school worship, uh, the high school chapel, all the students from ninth grade through 12th grade, if they would follow me with a song. And I wanted to sing it for you this morning and ask that you would follow me on this. Are you guys ready to follow? All right, here we go. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you, how. Give yourselves a hand. You guys follow really well. Something will lead you this year. Someone is leading you. You are already making goals. How many have already made goals of what you want to accomplish this year? And what I've found is that those goals, they're coming from somewhere. 
that deep beneath the desires to uh, lose the weight, to read the Bible, to go back to college, to do certain things with our life, learn an instrument, learn a language, there's a motivation. And this is a message where we're gonna dig deep beneath the motivations and goals for our year. That if it is not motivated in love, then what or who is causing you to drive yourself to do what you're doing? In 1 Corinthians 14, verse one, I love this verse. You can shout, make some noise if you want to. Paul, the apostle, who had a lot to say about love, he said, follow the way of love. Follow the way of love. In fact, the New Living Translation version says, let love be your highest goal. If you're gonna make goals this year, like I've got this goal that I wanna lose a certain amount of weight. I wanna get in shape. I wanna get in the gym. I wanna work out. I've got goals this year of things I wanna do for our church. But he says, let love be your highest goal. Put love at the top of the list. And for all of your other goals, let them be rooted and grounded and motivated from a place of love. There's a lot of pastors I've discovered as I've been pastoring our church and meeting other pastors and leaders. And I've discovered even in my own heart and life, you can have good goals from the wrong motivations. There's a lot of people that are setting goals of growth in their life from a place of comparison and competition, right? I wanna be better than them. We've gotta be bigger than them. We've gotta do it better. As a kid, I used to want it to be better than my brother, John. We were 13 months apart. There was this competition, right? So we'd play basketball and football and uh, you know all kinds of stuff. And the, the motivation for my goals was coming not from a place of purity, from love. It was coming from a place of envy, jealousy, comparison, competition. And I started realizing this isn't healthy. This isn't healthy. You could gain all the world this year. You could lose the weight. You could make all the money that you are setting a goal to make this year. You could go on all the trips, vacations. But what do you profit if you lose your soul? Right? The soul is the internal you. Don't let the external success be evidence of internal health. So many people, they're saying, well, that person looks good. I mean, their Instagram pictures are perfect. They've lost all their weight. They're making lots of money. They drive a nice car. They have a big house. Just because you're externally successful doesn't mean you are internally healthy. There's a lot of people that drive nice cars that have very poor souls. There's a lot of people that live in huge houses, have really big paychecks, huge salaries, but they are so mean to everyone in their life because they've never learned to let love lead. So they're rude, they're cruel, they drive people like a master, just constantly putting others down, never happy with anyone's success. No one's ever good enough because they don't see themselves as good enough. Until we learn to let love lead, all of our goals that are rooted in anything else but love, they will never produce the fruit that the Holy Spirit wants to bring in our life. The greatest goal we can have is love. Who or what is leading you this year? I would say this, most of our unhappiness and unsatisfaction with life, unfulfillment, comes from a lack of love. It comes from a lack of loving who God has made us to be, loving the people that are right in front of us, receiving the love that God has for us. It comes from not thinking of ourselves the way God thinks of us, constantly putting ourselves down, looking in the mirror and never being happy with what you see. I wish this was different. I wish I didn't have this crooked nose. I wish I had more hair on my head. I wish I had less hair. You know, I, I don't know who wants less hair, but um, I wish I had 
a, a, a different face. I wish I had a different personality. I wish that I was more exuberant, excited, extroverted, or I wish I wasn't so passionate and intense. I wish I was more chill and gentle with people. And, and every time we keep wishing to be someone else or, or, or not happy with who we are, we are continuing to belittle how God has made us to be. God has given you a unique personality. God has given you a unique life and a unique body. But the enemy wants to attack our self-worth, wants to attack our self-image. So we set goals that are not motivated by love, but are motivated from a place of fear. A fear of what others think about us. A fear of wanting to impress others. I, I'll put it like this. I remember when I was playing basketball in high school. And as a kid, I grew up loving basketball. But as I got older... I became very obsessed with performing in front of others. And I was a good performer. And at the same time, when it came to basketball, I was so afraid to miss a shot and fail that I wouldn't take shots that I knew I could make. And then I was so messed up uh, being afraid of, of missing the shot that when I did take it, I would miss shots that I should have made. Have you ever been there before in sports or in, in certain things? Just three of us in the room. Okay, you're making me feel really good right now. But... Um, <laughs> I remember at my senior year, I finally was a starter on the basketball team and I had open shots, layups that I would literally pass the ball because I didn't want to shoot it. I was afraid to fail and I was constantly looking out of the corner of my eye to see what the coach thought about me. I was so afraid of failing in his eyes that I wasn't playing to have fun. I wasn't even enjoying the game and it was a game that was meant to be enjoyed. But I was playing from a fear of failure. I was playing from the fear of man. And so I would miss free throws. I would miss layups. I wouldn't take shots. And then something changed when I went to college. I went to Oral Roberts University. I didn't make the basketball team. They don't know what they missed out on. <laughs> but I started playing in the intramural leagues. And at first I thought, oh, I'm a C-league player. I'm going to stay in the C-league. But as I started playing, I realized I'm not a C-league player. I'm probably a B-League player. But then I started playing in the B-League and I started winning all of our games. And I started thinking, maybe I could play in the A-League because they had an A and a B and a C-League. They really made us all feel awesome, you know, <laughs> categorical in our skill level and abilities. And I started playing in the A-League and our team went on to win the intramural championship. And um, I started hitting like three-pointers at the half court line. I started hitting shots that I could never hit. I started um, really like just leading our team in a great way. And I thought... How come I used to practice so much harder in high school and yet I did terrible in the games and now in college I never practice. I just show up and play and I play so well. It's because I was no longer playing not to lose. I was no longer playing from the fear of failure. I was playing for the love of the game. And I think so many people, we are living our lives this year from a place of, I hope I don't fail. I really don't want to mess up. I really don't want to sin this year. I really want to win people's acceptance and approval. I really want to earn God's love. And when you play from that level, you will constantly miss the shots you're supposed to make. Because it's not motivated in love, it's motivated in fear. And John the Beloved, a disciple in the Bible who is obsessed with talking about love. In fact, he called himself the most loved disciple. <laughs> he refers to himself four different times. He writes in the book of John, and the disciple whom Jesus loved, AKA me, the author of this book. Like John was constantly talking about how much he was loved by Jesus, and no wonder that he went on to do so many great things with his life. Because loved people love other people really well. 
Loved people are able to do so much more with their life than people who are living to receive love from others. When you know you are loved by God, you're able to give love on a higher level. You're able to play on another level. You're able to soar like you were supposed to. You were born to live on a higher level. The enemy uses fear tactics to keep us lower, to keep us from a place of wanting to earn God's love. Paul the apostle said this in Ephesians 3, verse 17. He said, I pray that you would be rooted and grounded in God's love, that you would know the depth, the height, the width, the length of how much he loves you. Paul also was obsessed with talking about love. It was something that was always on his mind. He wrote the love chapter. And you know, even as I was preparing this sermon, I heard this thought in the back of my head. It's not February yet. You're not supposed to talk about love until the, Febu until the month of love in February, right? The enemy always tries to make us stop thinking about the love of God. But can I tell you, the love of God is the fuel you need to live your best days yet. The love of God is exactly what you need to walk out your best year yet. So this is the year to let love lead. First John chapter four says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. He is love himself. First Corinthians 13 verse 13 says, now these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Okay, so we get it. Love is the greatest. Love should be the leader in our life. How do we let that happen? How do we move from a place of fear, a place of uh, being afraid to try, afraid of failure, or a place of envy and comparison and competition, a place of inadequacy, of unworthiness. How do I move from the wrong motivation to the right motivation? How do I get out of the motivation of wanting to do things to impress people and getting into the motivation of wanting to do things to bring glory to God? How do I do that? I'm glad you asked. The first step in letting love lead is letting love in. Letting love in, in other words, receiving God's love. In order to let love lead, I must receive God's love. There was a man in the Bible who was obsessed with like wanting to impress God. He really wanted to impress God. And he came up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I've done everything. I'm the best Christian in my church. I have followed and obeyed every commandment. And I was just wondering, what are the most important commandments in your eyes? Like, what do you think? Because I've done all of this stuff. And Jesus said, you can sum it up with this, buddy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And at that moment, I bet that guy was so excited. Oh, I can love God. God is awesome. I can really love God. I can get in. I mean, God, God, I love God. And Jesus says, and, everybody say, and. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Paul, I really wanted you to give me a complex sermon today that would confuse me, where I wouldn't have to practically apply it at home and in my workplace. I really just wanted you to come and just entertain me with some cool little, you know, stuff. But now you're bringing it home that I actually have to love people that hurt my feelings. I actually have to get along with people that are rude to me. You're telling me that the highest goal I should have this year is not to lose weight, but is actually to love the people that I hate? Yeah. I'm telling you, in God's eyes, the greatest goal you could have this year is not to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Now, hold up. People are getting a little upset. Now, I thought God wanted us to, to get this really inside. He does. But the greatest thing you can get is not knowledge. It's love. 
Paul said, knowledge one day will fade, but the love of God will remain. So what's leading you this year? What are you allowing to get inside your heart? What's driving you this year? There's this story in the Bible about these two sisters, Mary and Martha, in Luke 10, verse 38. And it says Martha was really, really busy. She was busy, busy, busy. She was doing so much activity for God. And Mary was sitting on the floor listening to Jesus. And Martha got so upset. And so she came over to Jesus. She said, don't you care that I'm doing all of this work and my sister is just sitting there and she's just listening to you and she's not helping me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about so many things. Let me just say that to some of you today in this church service. You are worried and upset about so many things. You are distracted by so many things that will not matter in eternity. And Jesus said, one thing is needed. Everybody say one thing. What is the one thing? Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Mary was sitting and receiving the love of her Savior. She wasn't even sitting there and reading through the scrolls of Isaiah. She wasn't memorizing scripture. She was simply just receiving love from the Savior. What if you woke up every morning and took five minutes just to meditate and declare over yourself, I am loved by God today. I am valuable in God's eyes today. I am going to live from a place of love. I am not in need of acceptance or approval. I am already accepted by God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Lord, I thank you, God, that I put on the mind of Christ. Christ, the helmet of salvation. I am loved today. I will think thoughts of love. Lord, I thank you that my mouth is motivated in love. When someone offends me, when someone cuts me off in traffic, when somebody hurts my feelings, Lord, I thank you that love is going to lead my mouth today. Love is going to lead my sight. Whoever I see, I will see through eyes of love. I will speak with words of love. I will live with actions of love. I will listen with ears of love. What if love was the greatest goal you had this year? What if love was your leader this year? And not just any kind of love, but agape love, the God kind of love, the unconditional love. In order to do that, you've got to receive God's love. Now, what stops me from receiving God's love is that I feel like I have to earn it. I feel like I have to audition for it. I remember when I started auditioning for our band in, in high school and, and our worship team and the youth group. and. I didn't make the band four different times. They would not let me in. I got so upset, and it was my sister that was the worship leader. I was like, Ruthie, I am your own flesh and blood. Brother, let me in the band. She was like, sorry, Paul, you're not good enough. And she was right. I still needed to earn it. I had to work for it. But the only problem is we start taking in that mindset with God, and we feel like every day I'm not good enough. I've got to earn it. I've got to work for it. I've got to produce results in order to earn God's acceptance. And as long as we see it like that, we will never feel worthy. We will constantly be on a roller coaster of worthiness. And what does that do? It causes us to love people partially, to keep people at a distance, to not let people into our life. It causes us to get flared up and mad and easily irritated when other people miss it or mess up because we're constantly on this roller coaster of feeling worthy enough. 
We've got to learn to let love in. We've got to learn to let God's love wash our minds and our hearts. When I let God's love into my heart, I start living with confidence in who God has made me to be. I start walking in a greater courage and boldness. You know, I think about how Martin Luther King Jr., he lived with this heart of love. He let love be his highest goal and motivation. Everyone he saw, he saw through the eyes of love. As we come into this weekend reflecting and remembering what he did and how he lived, I want us to watch this video that reminds us of the message that Martin Luther King Jr. shared with so many people that broke down walls of racism and prejudice. Check this out. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy the promise that all men would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Give me your heart, give me your song, sing it with all your might. Come to the fountain and let me hear you testify. I have a dream that this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created Everybody say, let love lead. You see, Martin Luther King Jr., he had a dream that was motivated with love. It was love. The world doesn't need more superstars. The world needs super hearts that are transformed by the love of God. What good is it to drive a fancy car, live in a big house, make a million dollars if you don't even love your family, if you don't even love you? I can't love you if I don't love me. What causes people to live with such meanness and cruelness is they have such a poor self-image. When I recognize I am made in his image, I can celebrate his image in you. I can't love others better by hating myself more. Maybe you're here today and you're carrying hurt, shame, regrets. The Bible says love keeps no record of wrongs. I don't know who hurts you, but today you can let it go. I don't know who you disappointed, but you don't have to carry the shame of your mistake into a new year. Some of us are carrying last year's pain into a new year that God's saying, you got to let that go, my friend. You cannot be who I've made you to be with that self-hatred, with that shame, with that disgust towards your brother or sister, with that uh, hurt of who betrayed you, who broke your heart. This is a year to let love lead. 
When I think of letting love lead, I, I think about Victory Church. On every row, we've got people of all nations, all generations. Look around. This is heaven right here. We've got people from the north, south, east, and west. People from every different continent in this church. This year, to let love lead, I've got to learn to love who God has made me to be so I can love you. I want to live with a pure motivation that I am not loving you to get something from you. There are some people who say, I, I do things for people just because I don't want to lose them. I do things for people because I just got to earn their love. And, and if I don't do things for people, then I won't get it. That's, again, that's not the right motivation. Agape love is I will love you even if you don't love me back. I will treat you with kindness even if you have hurt me. And I'm telling you, you start becoming a free man. You unlock the prison doors of living and letting other people control your love this year, letting other people control your peace, your joy this year. I think about when I first started pastoring, I didn't love who I was. I wore my dad's shoes. I actually had a pair of my dad's shoes that he had left behind. And uh, when he went on to heaven, there was shoes in his closet. And I took one of the pairs and I started wearing it thinking if I am a carbon copy of my dad, then I'll be loved by people. I'll be accepted. I'll be anointed. And it's one thing to imitate the right things of my father because my dad was the greatest man in my eyes. I mean, he was he is a hero to me and always will be outside of Jesus. I mean, I da dad's a hero. But God never created carbon copies. He made us all uniquely valuable. And I was, in my own mind, trying to be just like his personality. And people were going, this is weird. This isn't making us love you more. This is making us want to keep a distance from you. You're, you're not being yourself. Someone came and gave me a pair of shoes. They said, it's time to wear your own shoes. Imitate your dad's integrity, follow in the ways of his love and compassion and character, but be the personality that God has made you to be. You were born an original. Don't die as a copy. So in order for me to be original, in order for me to be authentic, I have to love who God has made me to be. Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. If I'm going to love you well, then I've got to see myself with the right lens. I've got to see myself as a beloved son of God. I want you to see yourself today as loved because you are. God loves you right now, not the more improved you, not the you at the end of this year after you've lost the weight and accomplished all the goals, not the you with all the makeup on. He loves you when your hair is a mess, when you got pimples that are showing, when you've got stuff that's not in order. He loves the crooked tooth you got. He loves the bent nose you got. He loves, listen, God loves you today, right now so much, you can't get any more. It's already infinite. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you on your worst day and on your best day. He loves you even when you hate others. He still loves you. And if you will let that love in, you can drive out that hate. Hate will never conquer hate. Only love can conquer hate. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. How do I produce? I have to receive it. So number one, to let love lead, I've got to receive it. Everybody say receive it. And I've got to release it. I've got to release God's love through my life. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. There's a lot of dishonoring happening in our world today. People making fun of other people. That's not love. You never win when you make fun of other people. 
If you're in a, in, a, in a situation right now where you're around people that are bullying others, just remove yourself from that group. Just say, I'm going to love those people from a distance, but I will not participate in treating others with dishonor and disrespect. Love does not do that. What if your greatest goal this year was not to impress everyone, but was to love everyone? What if your greatest goal this year was not to impress everyone, but was simply to love everyone? I know it's simple, but it takes work. That means every single day I've got to receive the love of God. I've got to believe it. I've got to receive it. I've got to declare it, and I've got to release it. I've got to choose to put others This is what love does. It says love is not self-seeking. In other words, love is not manipulative. Love does not impose itself on others. It is not demanding. It is not easily irritated. It keeps no record of wrongs. When I start releasing God's love, I start making an impact on others around me. I believe everyone in this room can be great because everyone can love. I'll never forget when a boy transferred into our school and I was a young boy myself. Both of us, we were, we were, in, uh, we were in 10th grade. And uh, this boy came from South Korea. And he didn't have anyone to sit with him at lunch. And I remember just feeling in my heart, let love lead. Let love lead. And I didn't sit with him out of my own insecurities and fears of what others thought. I just kind of stayed with my own group, my own group of friends. But I kept hearing in this, in this stirring in my heart, draw a bigger circle, bring people in, include others, invite everyone to the party, bring other, like don't just have a small group of friends, continue to let love lead you. And I remember when I got to know Wu Wan, and I began to sit and listen to him. And I remember when God instructed me to go and pray for Wu Wan. I just felt this stirring in my heart, go pray for Wu Wan. When I did, Wu Wan hugged me, and I hugged him back, and we hugged each other for about 30 minutes. And I remember after that long, awkward 30-minute hug between two 16-year-old boys, he looked me in the eyes. He said, you're the first American to hug me. He said, I've been here for a year and no one has hugged me. You see, you can change a life this year. You can change the world this year by loving people around you. Love is spelled quality time. Love is spelled through works, acts of kindness, acts of service. Love is spelled through words of affirmation. You know, this uh, two weeks ago, I had an opportunity to spend time with a very famous pastor who was in town. He texted me the night before. He said, I'm coming to town. I really want to hang out with you. I've got some things I want to connect you with. I'm going to network for you. And I mean, this guy is very, very well known. And, um, and I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. You know, I'd love to, love to get together and we can have breakfast. And, and then I remembered I had made a commitment to spend time with our middle child, Benaya. And I was thinking about it. And God said, you won't regret this. Spend time with your son. Spend time with your son. It was my day off. And so I texted this very famous pastor back. I said, hey, and thanks for the invitation. I I forgot. I committed to spend time with with our middle son, Beniah. And um, the guy said, man, you're a good dad. And he said, "Uh, I really respect you for that. That that speaks to me and some things that God's telling me to do. And so I didn't hang out with him, but I hung out with my son. And my son just was so happy that I hung out with him. We went to a trampoline park, spent two hours together. My son doesn't care how good a sermon I preach. He cares how much love I show him at home. And there's a lot of people who are superstars but have very poor hearts with people around them. And 
God's been speaking to me that this year I would focus less on being an incredible preacher and focus more on being a great husband and father and man of God and just loving people. So I'm just, I'm like, let's, let's go hang out. Let's, I'm gonna sit in the lobby and shake anyone's hand that wants to have a handshake um, and give anyone a hug. Because listen, you don't change the world by having a ton of knowledge. You change the world by giving a lot of love to people around you. And Benaiah, he said to me after two hours of hanging out, he said, Daddy, you're the best. You're the best. He said, thank you for hanging out with me. He said, I really like it, just you and me. He said, not Liam, just me and you. <laughs> Every kid needs one-on-one -on -one time. Your middle child needs one-on-one -on -one time. Your youngest, your oldest. They need to know that they're loved. I think we would have less hate and violence and less insane dysfunctional situations going on in our world if we made love our highest goal. If our highest goal this year wasn't to make a ton of money, but was just to let love lead. And I know it's so simple and it's so practical and I feel repetitive every year when I preach a message on love, but God says, you gotta keep preaching it because this is what the church needs. They will know that we are Christians by our love. They will know that we are Christ followers by our love. Tonight, when I speak at this interfaith service, I am going to stand beside my Muslim brother and I'm gonna stand beside someone who is gay and I'm gonna stand beside someone of all different races, all different faiths, and I am gonna love them with the love of Jesus Christ and we're gonna to sing together and I'm gonna to preach a message of love and truth and the message of Jesus just because I don't agree with your faith or your lifestyle, your choices doesn't mean I can't love you. What if this year your highest goal was love? And to do that, to flesh that out, you know, this week we're launching our connect groups. What if this year you made a decision to get connected, to let your heart be open to trust people again? I met a guy last week who said, man, I just, I got so much anger. My parents got divorced when I was little and there was a scandal in the church I grew up in on the East Coast. The pastor had a moral failure and I just don't trust any pastors. I don't trust any churches. I don't trust any leaders in the church, any deacons. He said, I've just been way too burned by fake people and hypocrites. And he was, I mean, he was just telling me like it was. And I said, man, thanks for, thanks for being honest with me. I said, but all that hurt, all that pain on the inside, isn't, don't you think that's holding you back? He said, I know it's holding me back. He said, I have to choose to trust again. I don't want, he said, I am, he said, I feel like God has made me with a brilliant mind. He said, I have ideas that are gonna change technology. He began to share them with me. This kid is brilliant. I mean, he is like, he, he will be the next Mark Zuckerberg and, and he's on the East Coast. I met this kid, but he said, I don't wanna make technology from the motivation to be loved and accepted. He said, there's too many people in technology that, that they are driven by the wrong motivation. He said, I want to know that I am loved and I wanna trust people again. And I just began to talk to him about the local church. And I said, just because you had one bad experience in one church doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's a lot of other good local churches. There's a lot of good pastors out there. The church is not messed up. There's a lot of people that come to church. All of us need a savior. None of us are perfect. But listen, if you will come and choose to trust again and open your heart and receive love and release love, you could change the world this year. You could change the community. We need each other. So I would encourage you this year, 
to find a place in the church where you can receive and release love, whether it's serving as an usher, as a greeter in children's church, being in a connect group, being a mentor to someone, receiving mentorship from someone, it will change your life this year. You could walk this message out by next week, say, you know what, I'm gonna get in that men's discipleship class. I'm gonna start receiving mentorship. I'm gonna open my heart again in the ladies' discipleship class. I'm gonna let people know me. I'm gonna make myself know. I'm gonna get connected this year. I'm gonna start giving out again. I've been sitting back and receiving so much. It's time for me to release some love. There's a lot of young people that come to me every week and they say, Paul, do you know anyone that would mentor me? Do you know anyone that would just have lunch with me once a month? I'll pay for it. I just, I just want someone who would pour into me. You could change a kid's life this year. There was a man in my life named Gordon Fritz. He didn't play basketball, didn't play football, didn't play video games. He was in his mid to late 60s, but he had love. And he spent time with me and my brother, John. He'd invite us into his house. And he wouldn't demand that we would pay attention or respect him all the time. He just sat there and listened to us. And it made us wanna listen to him. And he would make us chocolate shakes. I'll never forget Gordon's chocolate shakes. So good, bluebell ice cream, the perfect amount of chocolate in there. And he just talked to us. We'd go on walks. And when my parents were on missions trips, oftentimes he'd say, come over, hang out with us. He'd give us a ride to church, to Sunday school. I remember when he went on to be with the Lord, I went to his funeral and I got to share at his funeral. I said, Gordon changed my life. He spent time with me. And that's something we could take that into eternity. This year, there's a lot of goals that we've written down that we can't necessarily take into eternity. But when you make a goal to love people around you, to spend time with people, to really affirm and pour it, you could change the world. As we end today, I want just one last story, and it's from my friends Cricket and Adam. I want to invite them up to the stage. Cricket and Adam, wherever you're sitting, come on up here. Yeah, give them a big hand. When they came to Victory, I remember meeting Cricket. She was very hurt, very broken, carrying a lot of wounds. And um, in the loss of family members around her, she, she had to let God's love in and be healed. And her and Adam were in a relationship, weren't married yet, had three kids, am I right? And um, I'll let you tell the rest of the story. He's awesome, you guys. Um, Adam and I joined just over a year ago. I had one friend, I knew one person out of this whole place, he was persistent. Um, and whenever we came, we were not in a good place. We were unloving, and I think even at times probably felt unlovable. Um, and I think so much the message that he's trying to give is, if you guys can just let other people's love for you when you can't see why you would be capable of receiving love, kind of just start to get in, then you're able to give it back out. We came in, we were sitting in services, sometimes together, sometimes pretending not to know each other. <laughs> and it just started to go. We went into growth track. We did all four of our weeks. Um, Adam got connected right away with Pastor Ty going into men's discipleship. And he wanted to be back together. And I just had never seen somebody change overnight because that's what society will tell you. People will tell you that. The people can't change overnight, but you guys, know that whenever God says, when you've done all you can do, go to bed and let me do the rest. Adam changed overnight, and I couldn't buy it because I had never seen it. And I wanted to know what was getting in him that had not gotten into me. And so I joined the women's discipleship under Pastor Debbie, and I found it. I grabbed a hold of it, and then we ran with it. 
We serve up in growth track every Sunday, but we eat dinner together, you guys, and they stand in the gap and they pray for us. If we come in with a spirit of depression or strife in our relationship, these are the people who are here for us, our pastors. These people, they, we make time for you. We didn't come to victory to be noticed. We came to be used and God is so faithful for that. Like we just want to be here for you. We wanna be here and give out the love that we know that you're worth receiving that you may not feel like you're allowed to. This building, this place and these people, God in our lives literally transformed us. Y'all, I got married in December, 13 years. 13 years, 10 together and three apart. And God did a mighty work almost overnight. Like, yeah, it's for everyone, I promise you. You don't think it is, it is. And we would love to know you. If you need to know people and you don't know where to start, it only takes one, we can be it for you. That's good. Um, She does a great job of speaking, it's amazing. But everything is true, I mean, coming together um, and having just this family, being able to be loved and ex- letting love be received by, by yourself is just, it changed me. Like I was always maybe not able to receive it. And, and now at this church, these people, Pastor Ty, I mean, just these men, my, my growth track team, not mine, but the growth track team, you know, it's just, it's amazing. It's changed my life. God's came in. He's done a work in my heart, done a work in my soul. And God is good. God is good. God is good all the time. Join men's and women's discipleship. Change your life. Get plugged in at this church. There's thousands of people here. Know someone. Let them love you. Love them. Just do it. Bite off more than you can chew. Do it. Do it. (laughs) Come on. Give them a big hand. Stand your feet all over this room, church. Everybody say this year. I will let love lead. Let's do it, church. Let's do it. I believe there's people waiting to receive your love. I, you know, I got a text message two weeks ago from from Pastor Stephen Furtick, and he said, "Um, Paul, I've been watching your sermons. I said, oh, no. He said, "Um, I just finished the sermon, thank you, next. And he said, um, he goes, man, that was really, really good. I said, did my wife just steal your phone to text me, to encourage me? He said, no. He's like, he goes, every point, he starts talking through it, sends me this long text. And I said, did my mom steal your phone to text me? And he said, you don't know how to handle a compliment. And um, he said, there's, there's something wrong there. And he said, Paul, I've been there before. I just never trusted a sincere compliment and just constantly questioned whether it was really genuine or if people just had a pity party for me. And uh, when he said it, I realized I needed to do some digging because I felt like I had let love in, but I just really needed to renew that mind again to say, I am loved and God has made me valuable. And I want you to believe that today. I want you to just close your eyes and say, I am loved. Say, I am valuable. I am righteous. I am forgiven. I am God's child. I am accepted. I am redeemed. I am loved. I want us to believe that, church. I want people to feel that when they come through the doors of this church. 
that, that, that God's love just oozes out of this house, that it's just everywhere, that people go, wow, there's something at Victory that when you go there, there's just so much pure love of God. It's the pure love of God that can change people's hearts. It can change your heart. There was a famous theologian that was asked one time, what's the most profound thing that you've ever discovered? And he said, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. The people said, no, no, give us, give us more profound. We want something. We want the hermeneutics, the exegesis. I, we want to figure out the most profound theological idea. And he kept saying, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes. The Bible tells me so. You are loved, you are loved, you are loved, you are valuable. God sees you, he hears you, he's cheering you on. He's gonna give you the love you need today, tomorrow, on Mondays, on Tuesdays, on Wednesdays. And every day, just wake up with that thought, who could I love today? How could I show God's love? Lord, I thank you that I'm loved. Help me to love the people that are around me. You could change the world this year just by loving people, just by showing that love with your words, with your actions, your kindness, your smile, your hug, your handshake, your encouragement. We can all be great because we can all love. I want us just to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I surrender. Let your love lead me. Let your love guide me. Lord, I receive it. I receive your love. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave your life for me. You rose from the grave to give me life. Lord, I receive it. I receive the love, and I choose to give it. I forgive those who have hurt me. I choose to forgive those who betrayed me. I forgive myself. I refuse to hold on to grudges. I'm going to let love lead. My words, my actions, my goals. This year, I will let love lead. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.